God, we come before your presence with thanksgiving for all that you have given us. We ask that you would be with us this day. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning I have some exciting news for you. Uh, we are going to be talking about money. No? All right, okay. All right, uh, some of you are wondering why in the world are we talking about money? Are you, some of you might be saying, Pastor, why do we need to talk about this? Can we just let it be? And others might be saying, are we behind on our bills? Uh, are you going to be passing the offering plate over and over again till you get enough? Uh, and um, you might have other questions about why we are spending the next three weeks uh, discussing about money. Uh, I want to uh, lay some fundamental ground rules uh, uh, and reasons why we are talking about money uh, today. Uh, first is if you read the Gospels, uh, Jesus talks about money a lot. Uh, there are so many different areas that he talks about it. And our sermon series uh, is uh, Jesus and money is what our sermon series is called. So we're going to be doing that. Um, so if Jesus talked about it, I think it's important for us to talk about money as well. And for those of you who call Mount Hope your home, uh, we send you uh, a pledge card uh, in the mail. Uh, and we ask that you would prayerfully consider uh, what your offerings would be uh, for this coming year. And we place it uh, and on uh, two Sundays from now. Uh, we're going to be calling it a Consecration Sunday where we are going to take these pledge cards. You can mail them to the church. Uh, and we're going to put them in a basket and put them at the altar. And we are going to say that this is our trust in God. So that is what we are going to do. For those who don't call Mount Hope UMC, I just want to welcome you to be part of this sermon series so that you can gain a new insight as to what Jesus is talking about money and earthly possessions. And also, I don't want you to feel obligated to give money to Mount Hope. That is not our goal at all. I Please know that. Uh, please know. Let me repeat that. I don't want you to feel obligated to give money to Mount Hope UMC. Giving money to Mount Hope UMC is part of your discipleship. We give each week uh, as part of our Christian discipleship. Just like I would encourage you to pray to read your Bible, to help those in need in our community. Giving to me is part of our discipleship. Fundamentally, what shapes my theology of money is that we view that money, that God has given all that we have and we give back to God as a token of our gratitude. Please know, as your pastor, I'm committed to practicing generosity giving generously to the church. Kristen and I are committed uh, to first give to the church um, before we think about where we can spend it. As giving to the church is not an afterthought for us. This morning's scripture comes to us from uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. Uh, the story is called um, The Rich Young Man. Some Bible translations uh, put the title Rich and the Kingdom of God. So let me just retell this story. It's pretty simple. A young man runs up to Jesus uh, and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him he needs to follow the commandments to which the man replies, 
I've been doing this since I was very young. And then Jesus looked at him lovingly and said, go sell everything you have and come follow me. The young man went away sad. And the crowds witnessed this and, and, and began to wonder, how can anyone enter the kingdom of God? To which Jesus responded by saying, what is impossible for a human being, it is possible for God. So if you, since uh, all the Bibles from the pews are removed, I would like you to pull up your phone if you have a smartphone and pull up Mark chapter 10, because I'm going to be following this story very closely, uh, going verse by verse. So um, verse 17, this is what we read. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell to his knees. Again, I'm reading from Mark chapter 10. Verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees. Bonnie Thurston, a New Testament a scholar, wants us to think about this picture and also think about the Middle East and the climate of Jerusalem and Judea. Just as a broad stroke, if you think about Israel and its proximity to Egypt, Egypt happens to be in the continent of Africa. And when we think about these places, we automatically think that these places are hot and muggy. So when we read a person is running towards something, this indicates a sense of urgency. This man was wearing robes in a hot climate and was running towards Jesus. This man is seeking an answer that is keeping him up at night. He knew that there is more to his current life uh, and he wanted to seek an answer from Jesus. But actually, if you think about it, this man lives in a, a region called Judea, kind of like Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. He's living in the region of Judea, much like the state of Pennsylvania. And Jerusalem, which is a city in that region, is very close by. And in Jerusalem, we have the temple. So this young man could have gone to the temple. But the temple, we know, is filled with scribes and rabbis who study the Holy Scriptures over and over again. He could have gone to them and asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to eternal, inherit eternal life? But no, he goes to Jesus. He goes to Jesus to seek how Jesus would answer this question. Not only is there a sense of urgency of him running to Jesus, he falls on his knees as an act of worship, respect, and then goes on to say these words, good teacher, he calls Jesus good teacher. And Jesus quickly picks up on this title as this young man asked, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of uh, uh, eternal life? Good teacher. Verse 18, this is what Jesus says, why do you call me good? For no one is good except God alone. I think there's more to this statement. Yes, the Torah and the Hebrew scriptures communicate to us over and over again that God alone is good. The hymns and the praise songs that we sing declare God's goodness. 
Psalms 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for the Lord our God is good. The God we are called to worship is good. And Jesus asked this young man, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. I think the question that Jesus is asking this young man is, do you know who I am? For the gospel of Mark opens this way, Mark 1.1, the beginning was the, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus is asking this young man, do you recognize me as the Son of God? For if God is good, as the Hebrew scriptures remind us, then the Son of God is good as well. Jesus is asking this young man, do you see me as God? For if this young man recognizes Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah, then what Jesus is about to say to him is a whole lot more important. Then he feels just seen as another ordinary human being. This morning, let me pause and ask you this question, friends. How do you see Jesus? Do you see him as a teacher? Do you see him as a son of God? Do you recognize him as a good God? If you do, then we need to take seriously what Jesus is teaching us about money. For if we are confessing that Jesus is good and is our God, whom we worship, we need to hear what Jesus has to say. So Jesus looks at this young man and he says, you know, what is, do what is written in the Torah, the first five books, the law. You know, and Jesus lists some of the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. These are moral laws that are contained in the law. These moral laws, um, when we don't murder somebody, it is good for, it's a good thing, right? It benefits everyone in the community if you live by these laws. If you don't cheat on your spouse, it benefits the entire family. You shall not give false testimony. When we tell the truth, it benefits everybody. These laws are given so that we can live as a better community together. And then when we read the Old Testament scriptures, there are also ceremonial laws. They teach us about good hygiene, especially when you're living, how to, be, how to keep ourselves clean, especially when you're living in such close uh, quarters with each other. And then there are civil laws in the Old Testament. These laws teach us how we need to be a good neighbor and how to work through some of the disputes and some of the struggles that we might face with each other. But this young man has a quick answer to when Jesus says, follow what's written in the Old Testament. He says, I've been doing this since I was 12 or 13 years old. I kept all of them. I kept all of them. But he knows, this young man knows that there is more to life than just following a bunch of rules. This young man is seeking eternal life. A display that he knows can only be given from Jesus. Then the question that we need to wrestle with this morning 
is, are you seeking more or are you just comfortable following the laws? See, this young man was clearly seeking something more. He was seeking eternal life. So I think it's only fair that we begin to define what eternal life is so that we can seek clarity as to what eternal life is all about. What do you mean by eternal life? I know it's an extremely complex question uh, for us to answer. We can debate about the nature of eternal life and various aspects regarding eternal life. And then we can spend the next eight hours arguing about that, but uh, I don't want to keep you all waiting to miss the Steelers-Cowboys game. Go Steelers, right? <laughs> no, wrong crowd, sorry. <laughs> hey, come on, we're playing against the Cowboys, so, you know. Anyway, all right, <laughs> so what is eternal life? <laughs> what is eternal life? And here's my simple definition for what eternal life is. Here's my take. Eternal life, not having a desire to gain anything else. You have everything. Eternal life, not having a desire to gain anything else. You have everything. We gain eternal life first and foremost is given to us when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. That is our starting point. That is how we gain eternal life. Eternal life, not having a desire to gain anything else. You have everything. Let's read this passage. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth and heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Based on this passage, what else do we need? Our tears are wiped away. Death is swallowed up in victory. Our moaning and our crying and there is no pain. What else do you need? Seriously, what else do you need? We are just lost in God's love. That, my friends, I think is eternal life. Eternal life is not having a desire to gain anything else but being content and being lost in God's love. So this young man comes to Jesus and says, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And hear how Jesus responds to this young man's question. I love these next verses in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. And Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. 
Jesus looked at this young man. I can kind of picture Jesus making that eye contact with this young man, locking eyes with this young man, showing extreme care and gentleness, speaks tenderly to him and saying, son, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Come follow me. Jesus is saying to him, you lack one thing. Jesus is saying to them, you're hanging on to your earthly possessions. You're hanging on to things that do not belong to you. Sell all you have, give them to the poor, come follow me and you will have eternal life. If Jesus were looking at us this morning lovingly into our eyes, what would he say to you regarding your possessions? I've been thinking a lot about this. What would Jesus say to me? This one thing you lack regarding your understanding of earthly possessions. If eternal life is not having a desire to gain anything else because we have everything, then that does, then it means that we cannot experience eternal life if our life is filled with possessions, that we are hanging on to possessions and money and things and stuff. See, Jesus' teaching here is a hard teaching. Whether you're living in common era 30 or 2020 or 2030 or 2050, 20 years or 30 years from now, this is a hard teaching, friends, because we like our possessions. We want more. What I love about this story is the way it ends. The story, it, the way it, the story ends is we don't really know what the man did. All we know is, is that he walked away from Jesus, sad. He understood the magnitude of what Jesus was asking him to do. And I want us to find ourselves in the story because the way the story ends for you is only going to be written by you and nobody else. And if you are asking me this morning saying, all right, pastor, how do I experience that eternal life? What steps do I take in rethinking how I value money and our possessions? And I want to say this, that we wholeheartedly believe that all we have comes from God and we give to God as a token of our gratitude, not as an afterthought, but we make God a priority. Again, if you call Mount Hope your home, I urge you uh, to fill this card and mail it to the church. In closing, I want to share this story with you. Uh, this story comes to me from uh, um, an author named Howard Dayton. Uh, in his, uh, he wrote a book called Your Money Counts. Uh, Howard Dayton is a financial planner. Uh, he's a Christian financial planner and his theology of money resonates with what I was talking about today. 
where he believes that everything that we have is from God and we give to God uh, and generously as a token of our gratitude for all of God's blessings in us. And he tells a story about a client that he had. This client had a lot of debt and Howard um, uh, worked with him uh, and made sure that you know he was able to get rid of all the debt that he was and that he kind of uh, reprioritized his spending and was able to save um, uh, a, a few dollars. And then he was on a good path. He had a good understanding of money. And then he started saving some money because he wanted to buy a new car. But he didn't want to go into debt because he was in debt. So he, he actually was very intentional in saving all this money. And he finally goes and buys this new car, his dream car that he wanted. He bought it paid for it in cash. A week later, someone sideswept the car and completely damaged the side of the car. And his client called Howard Dayton back to tell him about the accident and you know what all happened and all that. And this client said, I just said a prayer to God. I was just talking to God after the accident. And I said to him, God, I don't understand why you would want to dent your new car. I smiled and I kept driving. He said, God, I don't understand why you would want to dent your new car. He smiled and kept driving. See, this guy, I think experienced eternal life. He came to a place in his life where he knew that he was blessed that he had enough, that he understood that everything that he has is from God. Amen.